Hello, welcome to ADD Masterminds, your distraction from the family. I'm your host, John Howie, and I'm here with Theosaurus Rex. Hello, Greetings. Theosaurus. Greetings. Can How I... are you today? <laughs> <laughs> Can I call you... Type... I don't know what to call you for short. The? Call me Theo. No, Theo's cool. Theo's cool? Theo? Theo is cool. Theo is cool. Yes. No, no, no. Really. Theo, Theo is cool. Hear it. Then is okay. I don't know. I'm so. This is so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh dear. You know you're sounding like the dinosaur from Toy Story right now. <laughs> hey, that's not a bad thing. It's like my people. <clears throat> totally. He's like. Oh. Toys are your people. Maybe. Yeah. The dinosaur. I see that. Yeah. Hey, so uh, I heard a really cool thing. You know, we were talking about like uh, I like to talk about being Canadian and stuff, but I heard something from a guy who's actually a Canadian that now lives in the United States. So I guess he's a Canadian and an American. Um, he Best said, guy. "That's as American as a three-car garage." Interesting. Yeah, I like that one. I do. Yeah. I think the is that, problem is you actually read that before I said it, so it wasn't like shocking. But I'm oh, sure yeah. everybody that was listening was laughing their bums off. Oh, his name is Drew Dick. I have to credit him. That's the only thing I'm going to credit. Anything else I steal, you're not going to know. That works. All right. Hey, um, you ever seen that? Like, uh, I think it's like a meme or something like that. And it's like this mom that's like saying. You know, like, your Uncle Henry died, LOL. What? Yeah, what yeah, you... yeah. Have you heard that before? Or read no, that? I haven't. That's a terrible meme. Okay, okay, but, like, it's because... Oh, because you don't know what the acronyms mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the mother okay. thinks that it's lots of love. Yes, I have seen that one. So I've begun using that with my family all the time, and I say LOL as in lots of love all the time. So, like, I'll talk to them on the phone, and I'll be like, LOL... I've just, I've just started, I'm like, I don't know, what do you call it? I'm appropriating that because I like it. So don't be now, surprised. Okay. So when you talk to like any of your more millennial, like nephews, nieces, whatever, I mean, I'm sure you're really... Yeah, whatever um, millennials I come in contact with, yeah. Exactly. So when you use that, how do, do under the people understand? Or do they think you're just the, the old guy trying to be hip? <laughs> I don't know, you know, like, I, I don't know if I have a reputation as the old guy trying to be hip. Um, there's, like, things I've said. I remember I said, like, because I'm in the worship team, and so I yeah. think it's assumed that I've, there's a certain amount of hipster that comes along with that. And so right. I, I remember one time I said in front of the worship, like, all those worship people, because they're all cool people, right? Right. And um, I, I said something like, well, that's dope. And they like looked at me and they're like, yeah, like only you could get away with saying stuff like that. So I, I'm not sure what the perception is of me, but I'm pretty sure it's not the old guy that's trying to be cool. Okay, so you don't go through your skateboard and be like, hey, guys, want to go like go grind some like skateboard stuffs? <laughs> stuffs? Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. And I mean, like maybe I, I feel like I'm the old guy trying to be cool. But, like, right. I don't feel like people are seeing that. And I try to be. Like, it's just funny. Um, like, my son, my son's 14. Uh-huh. And, and so whenever they're talking about Instagram, I'm like, oh, you guys are, you guys are twerking on the gram? 
Woo! Yeah, twerking's probably the worst one I can use, but I just keep changing it. I think twerking's yep. really funny, though. Especially, I think keep using that. Well, terrible, especially with your son. I don't know why he would be twerking. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't. I don't know. I'm not sure what that is. Should I like Google image search that? I don't no, know. No, no, no. <laughs> I think we learned about that last week. Don't Google image search stuff. <laughs> hey, have you seen the movie The Disaster Ar- Artist? Yes. It's all in theaters. It was phenomenal. Okay, my, my favorite line from that movie is, I don't want a career. I want to have my own planet. <laughs> oh, that's so good. It's like... Such an incredible thing for a creative person to say. Yeah. And that dude is weird. And it's kind of interesting to me. I guess I was thinking, too, about artistic pursuits. And you seem like an artistic guy. I'm not sure. By my amazingly drawn dinosaur, that is my Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sweet. I was trying to think of what your art is, aside from, like, thought-provoking social media posts. Yes. Uh, well, actually, uh, speaking of filmmaking, I have a friend who is a director, and um, we're going on set tomorrow to do a 1950s style, like comedy, and we're going to use that to pitch the producers to do the screenplay that I helped write. Very so, cool. It is pretty cool. I had a movie director on my other podcast, The Wax Museum, and it was interesting because I was asking him, and I'll ask you this too. Um, how difficult is it to write dialogue? Uh, I think it depends on the uh, uh, like what's going on and your uh, I guess you'd say your muse for whatever it is you're writing. So for me, I tend to make now granted the characters are their own people and that I've created and stuff like that, but I try to use like dialogue that I may have actually had or I've heard, like real people actually use. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use that to kind of um, to help make the dialogue more realistic because obviously, obviously it is because it actually happened. Um, uh. And then you also have to keep the the characters like consistent. So if you have one that's, that uses a lot of big words, it wouldn't make any sense for them to be like, OMG, that's so terrible. You know, they'd be more like, oh my God, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Huh. Or, you know, some phone outlines. And uh, now my director friend has more of an issue with that. So one of the things he does is he will... Um, send me the manuscripts and I'll go and try to work on the, uh, the dialogue to make it more natural. Ah. Yes. That's interesting. Well, we'll have to keep an eye out for that and you'll be tweeting about that under your... Probably. Uh, that's a very good question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Although you can follow me on Twitter at St. St. Theosaurus Rex. Ah. Um, it's very fun and... Uh, as long as I don't get involved with some groups of people, then it, it can be happy. But other than that, it just becomes terrible. And it's like, I want to delete everything about Twitter. Yeah. Isn't it, you know, and this is something I think that has been so awesome about ADD Masterminds. Like, as the political, you know, discourse has become nastier and nastier, there's just one shining light, one podcast <laughs> that does not touch politics. Ah, it's just risen above. It's the shining beacon of all that we know is pure and lovely. <laughs> so somebody was asking my son, like, what his favorite song was. And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to answer that. So it kind of gave me this idea. And I was like, okay, so someone asked me what my favorite song is. This is what I'm going to say. 
You know, what my favorite song right now is, is Happy Birthday. I like heard it for the first time last week and it's like been in my head ever since. Oh my gosh. I don't... <laughs> oh man. That would be... I don't know how I respond to that. <laughs> it's like, where, where have you been living? Like under a rock? Yeah. Like, have you never had a birthday before? Or <laughs> or maybe they might think that you're, uh, what is it? Is it Jehovah's Witnesses mm, that don't show mm. birthdays? I was going to say that. It's like, I'm a GW. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Very sheltered. Very sheltered. Just, just a little bit. Hey, do you like um, at your church? Do they ever try to like hype up the crowd? <laughs> uh, no, not at the the current one I'm going to, and the one I went to before that did not have an issue with it. What what kind of church is that? Which one? The one you go to right now? Uh, the one I go to right now. I'm in between. Well, okay, let me try. Let me try this again. You don't have to name the denomination. I just mean, like, yeah. is it like an evangelical or is it more traditional or whatever? It would be a, um, it's, it's a, I would say it is it's traditional, but it tries to be cool, but it doesn't really care that it's not cool and it's mm. trying to be cool. So they'll go in and they'll do like a more of a newer song, but they do it in their own way that's terrible and I hate. <laughs> so it's just one of those, like, you know what? I, oh, Oh, I need to get breakfast, and I'm just gonna happen to miss worship as I get there, <laughs> and I'll be good. Oh, I'll I couldn't do that. Time. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because like for me, it's like even when we were scoping out church years ago, I was just like, I can't do this. I don't like the music because it's like I feel like I have to fix it because I play an instrument, yeah. right? And it's like, right. so I'm like, huh? I don't know. Maybe it's a pride thing too, and it's yeah, obviously it's a pride thing, and I should be able to get over that, but. Well, see, part of on my end is that, like, so, okay, so we, uh, da, 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 da. so you have the church, and we actually met a lot of the people who are in the church through a, like, a, a conference, for lack of a better term, like a retreat. Yeah. And on the retreat, everyone's excited and full of life and happy, and I'm like, that is an awesome worship leader. And then we get to the church, and, and it's, it's nothing at all like it. I felt like it was false advertising. And they have an out of, an out of tune flute. And they let the person play, and it's I go like, okay, cool, you do that, but <laughs> it's 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 killing me. So I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. know. It's just it's bad. Probably I think night. like what what's hardest for me like I is is when I don't sense that the musicians really have a feel for music. Like they don't know how yeah. to build it. They don't know where to be quiet, and it's all just flat or. Or they do things too fast. They don't do, you know, the bridge enough times. Like, there's just nitpicky things like that that I'm like, oh, man, this could have been so good if you just would have emphasized yeah. this part, right? So, and I mean, part of it is because of, like, the clinician work I do. Like, I, I work right. with, you know, teenage worship teams and stuff, right? And uh, I guess I write a bit of music, too. So I kind of have an idea of, like, what I want to do. And so... I have an idea of what the song should sound like. And the way it's written is usually good. And if you're going to go off of that, it's like you got to have a feel for music, right? So, yeah. But what I wanted to talk about is hyping up the crowd. And I was like thinking about this, and I've seen it at my church. My church is kind of more, it's very contemporary, kind of... Um, we want to cater to a college crowd. Like we're we're trying to... 
reach out to college students more. And so, so a lot of it is like, like the music's really loud and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I've, I've played there a few times now because we just moved to a building. We used to be in a school gym and now we're in a building and we got like a subwoofer and I play bass and it's like so much fun, right? I, but I was thinking about this whole like, you know, when you're like, hey, church, amen or whatever. And if the church doesn't respond, I was thinking, well, it's kind of like the rock star, right? And I was like thinking, okay, so you got the, like the rock star. And he's like, come on, you can do better. You know what? You guys suck. I hate you all. I think that's what Jesus would do. That that would be a little awkward, maybe. Yes. Maybe. Now, with that said, do, should we... Should we what? Should we even try to hype up the people? Like, when I've led worship, we get up there, we do our songs, we go along with it, like, we try to do, like... Me and my buddy, who we used to lead worship a lot, it was super organic, kind of IHOP style, yeah. that type of thing. And we would follow the lead of the people. And House when of the people pancakes? weren't into it, sorry. Yes, in our house of pancakes, not in our house of prayer. We served it. That. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> keep going. Okay, we would, uh, you know, we would feel that if the people weren't into the song or whatever, then we would end that song and go on to the next one. Yeah, and it's just kind of, I mean, but there were times, especially. So I went to this one church that I, I'm going to now. Um, I went to back in the day, and then I stopped going, and then I went back to it to try to help out with some things. Anyway, so they um, there were some times where, like, we'd go and, like, sing this super awesome song, and, like, there'd be, like, one person that was really into it, and you could tell that just God was just working on them, and the Holy Spirit was just moving around that one person because everybody else did not have a, a, any clue of what was going on, what was going on with the song, and, like, the words that were being said, because it was just like way over their head and they were giving us blank stares. And so at that point, I think afterwards, um, me and my buddy were talking and we decided that they were terrible and we didn't like them. And it made us mad <laughs> because they didn't want to listen to what God wanted to do. Anyway, side note. Huh. So yes, I have done that, just not to their face. Wow. Yeah, no. I, and I mean, I don't sense that that's what our worship leaders are doing at our church. But there's yeah. just little things like when the pastor, you know, opens it up or or he says something and he's trying to get people riled up and i was like this just thinking in the more extreme what happens with rock stars and just like trying to shame people into making some noise and i'm like yeah you wouldn't want to do that in a church no or like even like okay when you got someone on stage and they start clapping and they're like Mm -hmm. trying to get the crowd clapping and i'm always like standing there and i'm like okay I'm not going to clap the whole song. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you might get me clapping for that course, and then, you know, like, I, I'm done clapping. But there's some people that clap for the whole song. And you're, like, getting to the bridge. They, <laughs> what? Well, and then they then they just they kind of get off beat. They start getting off beat, and it's <laughs> like, they don't know what's going on, and they're just clapping. And it's like, what do you... No, you have to stop. We've changed the tempo for a second. <laughs> yeah. There was like a, what was it? Um, Welcome Back Cotter, like a 70s sitcom. And there's a guy like, I think it was Welcome Back Cotter. And there's this dude that's like playing on acoustic guitar. And the crowd starts clapping along. And then he stops and he's like, okay, guys, you're throwing me off. Stop clapping. (laughs) Uh, There was a 70s that did that too. There was a witch? Like a musician named Keith Green, and like on one of his live things, people are clapping along, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. you guys are throwing off my drummer! 
just listen and let the Holy Spirit talk to you. But don't clap. We don't need to sing along. Just, just kind of do. Just, just go along with me. Oh my gosh, sing along. Keith Green. Yes. That guy was, was awesome. such an egomaniac. Was in- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's like who's oh. ever said that about Keith Green, right? <laughs> hey, I right. watched. Have you seen that movie about Rich Mullins? Uh, no, I haven't. It's really good. Um, it's on the internet somewhere. It was free. Like it was like the anniversary either of like his birthday or of his death. It was like some kind of celebration, anyways, and they made it for free. But now you have to pay for it. So maybe you'll have to wait for another Lame. anniversary to get it for free, or oh. pay. I don't know. No, I will not pay for things on the entire web. It's supposed to be free. <laughs> I know, eh? Um, I was, uh, so, like, back to worship, um, I was, like, where I was being a clinician, where I was doing my clinician work, where I was being one, no, but where I was doing that clinician work, and it's just awesome to, like, work with these young people and just kind of, like, all it is is just tweaking what they're doing a little bit, right? But, um my the um teacher that runs the program said that our attitude when we're leading worship should be should not be like this is such a chore we should be like i can't believe i get to do this yes and just that joy and i'm like i know for me it's been labor sometimes right where i'm just like oh i have to play again right but it's like you got to really shift your attitude like this is such a privilege to be able to facilitate this, right? Yeah. I think that's... And really, and so taking that like a little bit away from worship, I'm going into, like, there's so many things that that applies to in our life, especially, yes. I think, within Christianity and stuff like that. Um, but I think worship's extra special because um, depending on, like, your heart and then the way that, even down to the song selection and the way that you play, now, granted, it shouldn't be so much song selection the way that you play. It should mostly be your heart. But you can tell when someone's trying too hard or when someone's not into it and that kind of stuff. And that can affect someone's ability to to go before the throne of God, figuratively speaking, of course, yeah. um, and being able to get in that and, and doing their heart right. Because then what if that person can tell that you're way like overdoing it or think that it's a show and then they're just thinking about that the entire lesson and then something misses. Again, of course, Holy Spirit can power through everything, but it's still like it's a, it's a great responsibility but it's also something that's like, wow, this is when you when you are doing it and you are into it, then it's just it just flows and it's easy and it's just it's so I don't know how to describe it. It's really like relaxing and, and enjoyable and I don't know, it's it's really it's indescribable. It's like getting out of the way, right? Like it's like you're facilitating yeah. it. So there's an element to just like you gotta get out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to work. And I think you'll find that in just about any art yeah. you do. Cause I'm sure with your writing, there's times where you're just like, okay, I'm just going to get out of the way here. Yeah. And I, I think that's like when I've heard about like truly good producers, right? There was, I, I can't remember who it was, but I heard an interview with um, a guy who's a producer for a bunch of big bands. And he's like, my job as a producer is to make that band sound the best they can. It's not to put my mm-hmm. fingerprint on this. It's to basically... And it's almost yeah. like management is the same thing. Um, and something that like Doug yes. from the Wax Museum keeps saying is like management's job is to remove obstacles 
that are in people's way to success. And so if we have that kind of servant attitude, I think it's the same thing. It's like, okay, so we're going to bring this song and we want to remove whatever obstacles there are that are, you know, preventing people from enjoying the presence of God. Exactly. Yeah. I, um, oh, you know, okay. You know, the, um, I just saw this on the ADD master list and I'm like, Oh, oh I, I remember what this is now. Um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, charity, charity water. You ever heard of it? Yes. It's pretty crazy. Like there's this guy that started it and his story. It's like, he used to be like a party animal and he would facilitate all these big parties that people were having and all this stuff. And he decided to get away from that party life. And, um, he um, tried to volunteer, but no one would take him because he was just known as a big partier, so they didn't take him seriously. So he paid money to join Mercy Ships. And while he was out on this trip with Mercy Ships, he started to see all these people who were getting sick just because there wasn't clean water. And he's like, well, that's dumb. Like, we should fix that. So he decided to start a charity, but he first like thought... What, is, what would the ideal charity do? And one of the things he said is that every penny that people donate should go straight to getting clean water. No admin costs, none of that. And then it's like, but how do you do that? Right? And so what he did is he raised like the overhead money separately. So he had some like pretty wealthy donors that were willing to pay for the overhead. So basically, if you donate money to Charity Water right now, it'll go straight to Wells, which is insane. Like, I don't know. There must be other charities that are doing that now, but at the time, he was the only person doing this. Yeah. And I, so, I don't think I've heard of anyone who's doing anything like that. Yeah, it's insane. insane. Yeah, but it makes sense because there's a lot of people like, oh, I'm not going to donate to them because, you know, 80% of what I give goes to overhead. Yeah. And then... Because but even if you do that, I mean, twenty percent is still going to help. But it's like, are yeah. you being a good steward for doing that? So and I, and I would opening ex- that up. Yeah, and I would expect that. I mean, you talk about churches too, and if you want to talk about like whether there should be charitable donation or charitable organizations or not, I mean, some of these are really run like lucrative businesses, and you oh, yeah. got pastors that are kind of climbing the corporate ladder, you know, in a way, right? Like it's like, yeah. oh, okay, okay, well, if I, and so, but anyways, <laughs> I digressed. Um, but what I was thinking is like, so like what he was uh, talking about is like when they first started out, there was a point where they had like a large sum of money in the account for the wells and they were not making ends meet on the, um, overhead. And there was a temptation to take that money and maybe just borrow from it or whatever. But he's like, I can't. Like, that's not what our model is. That's what we said we, we're, we weren't going to do, right? And they right. prayed, and God provided it, right? But um, it's this podcast I listened to. It's um, The School of Greatness, I think, is where I heard this. And the guy always ends asking, you know, for three truths. It's like, let's say all your books are gone. Let's say every video, all this stuff is gone. What are the three things, three truths you want people to know? if they couldn't know anything else from you? Which I'm like, that's a really tough question to ask a guest. Ooh, that's very tough. Yeah, I don't know if 
Well, I, I'm assuming if they listen to the podcast, they know this is coming. They all sound blindsided. But uh-huh. I basically, what he said I thought was brilliant. And I was like, and I kind of boiled it down to three words. And I just thought this was great. It's like, first of all, have faith. Have faith in God. The second thing is have integrity. And it's like that having integrity was something that I thought was demonstrated, right? With, with how they dealt with the money in there. And then he's like, and be generous, right? So faith, integrity, and generosity. And I've been kind of thinking of those three words. I'm like, that's such a powerful thought that if we do those three things, it's like we flourish. That's really deep. That's really cool. And I think the generosity part is the one that, like, like people understand, like, the whole thing of having faith and, mm-hmm. you know, integrity, because those are, like, two of, like, big, oh, these are Christians, very moral things to do. Yeah. But being generous isn't often thought of as one. And, I mean, and it's not necessarily just money. I think when we hear generosity, yeah. we're always like, oh, money. Oh, well, I don't know. Right. Like, I got a mortgage to pay and all this stuff. But it's like generosity is so many things and a lot of times it's time like just giving your time like i know for me and i think probably a lot of people i got a lot on the go so if i give you time that's the most valuable commodity i can give you sure i mean and that's and so you got generosity and time generosity and even just like emotional like Hmm. generosity like being able to be there for people and choosing to um to sacrifice in that way too and that's I tough. I don't know why people don't think of generosity. I, no, never, I have to think about that. I've never thought of emotional generosity, but I think that's what God's challenging me with right now. Oh. Because it's like, I don't want to deal with people's little problems. I got big problems. <laughs> right? Yes. Like, it's like, yeah. Right. All right. Oh, no. You, you, um, you only make like two hundred dollars a week, and you spend one hundred fifty on it to go to a party, and now you don't have enough money for gas. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're a terrible person with this, and I have no sympathy for you. But in the same way, they're struggling. They made a terrible decisions. We've made terrible yeah. decisions. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of times what God is saying to us is like, it doesn't matter what got you to where you are right now. I love you, and I'm going to help you through this. And I think yeah. we fail to have that grace for other people because we want to still say, well, you got to learn, <laughs> right? Yes, that is very difficult. <laughs> yeah. No, hashtag conviction. <laughs> yeah. are you, you know, I'm sure you know who Rob Bell is. Oh, I do. Yes, I'm I- a fan of Rob Bell, even though he's uh, wandered off into heresy land. I but quote him all the, the time. <laughs> oh, well, good. Yes. Unapologetically. I'm like, I'm tired of doing disclaimers. I'm just going to quote him. And then people can think what they want to yeah, think about my theology. It's kind of fun. But anyways, go ahead. Well, but well, then people don't get upset about it. It's like, oh, yeah, but that is true. And they hear it's from my bell. And they're like, oh, that's the worst, worst form of heresy I've ever heard. A broken clock is um, right twice a day, right? Exactly. You from truth where it comes from. But in, and we're in all East broken clocks, just to be clear. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> he used to do these uh, videos called Numas, and yeah. the Numa number one, uh, I believe, was called Rain. Mm-hmm. And he told the story about how he was walking with his kid, and uh, a torrential downpour happened. And he was just holding his little baby, and they're going through the downpour and everything. And he just kept saying, I love you, buddy. We're going to make it. 
Daddy knows the way. Yeah. And he just kept whispering that. He said, and that's what God says to us as we're going through all these stuff. And even if it's, it's so, it may be just a little like drizzle to everybody else, but to you, it's that, that a hurricane, like torrential downpour. And God says the same thing to you, even though it's really small. It's just like, yeah. I've so seen that video. So powerful. Hey, it is for sure. You know, what I find interesting too is like how um, when somebody's going through a hard time, there's people who have a tendency to be to say it's going to be okay, even though really they don't know. <laughs> and chances are, and there's a chance that it may not be okay. Yeah, exactly. I, I was listening to Bad Christian Podcast, which I fully endorse. It's got lots of swearing and sexual content. So, Oh, my goodness. How, yeah, yeah. They're terrible Christians. Yeah, I know. They're well-named. But yes. they offer some interesting perspective. And um, <laughs> so Toby Morell, who's the lead singer of the band Emery, um, he was talking oh, wow. about how his wife went through breast cancer. And he said the whole time he was like, I got to be strong for her. I got to be strong for her. And so he's like, it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay and all this stuff. And he didn't realize until they had gone through the whole thing and she was in remission. That's, that's not what she needed. She needed him to say, I'm scared too. Wow. And I just find that interesting because I know that when I'm in that situation, when I'm in a situation where things are hard, like, even if I lost something, it's like I lost my cell phone. Someone's like, oh, you'll find it. I'm like, you don't know that. I might not find it. Like, that's not helpful, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I, it's just something. And I, I think some people, that is good. And they are like, yeah, you believe. That's great, right? But I'm, I don't know. Maybe I just, I'm too much of a realist <laughs> to be, like, sucked into that. Well, like so, I went to um, I went to seminary and um, uh-huh. graduated and everything, and it was all fun, yeah. Da, da, da. But we had to um, for the degree that I went for, we had to do a whole bunch of stuff unrelated to like our our main discipline. So one of them was counseling. I would love to do counseling, but I take stuff home with me, and it's I just get depressed when I hear. Anyway, I can't separate myself. But hmm. one of the things that they mentioned is when you're doing any kind of counseling or even even just listening to people that kind of stuff, you can't ever lie to them. And don't ever yeah. give them hope for something that you don't know about. Yeah. So in a situation like so, that really affirms what this guy came to realize later on. Um, and that's and but then also it's, um, so yes, some people do need to hear it's going to be okay because ultimately it will at some point. Other people need to hear that hey, I'm struggling too. And then there's the people that you just got to be there and listen because they don't want to hear anything. And I'm not married. Oh my gosh! But yeah. I've heard that that is a major key to marriages that they don't. Oftentimes, the, um, your wife or sometimes husband, whoever, they don't want you to fix their problems. They just want you to listen and be there today. You know what? That's terrible. And yeah. I totally affirm how you feel about this. Yeah. And I mean, I had a friend who lost her husband. And I'm like, talk about not having any answers to anything. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, she had he had two little kids. Right? And it was just... And so, um, it was around that time that I read some story about this little girl and uh, this little girl loses her toy and um, her friend comes and says, oh, I'll help you find it. So she goes around and they spend like an hour looking for the toy, right? 
Mother comes and finds the two little girls, and they're sitting there on the floor, and they're both crying. And the mother's like, did you, what, what's going on? And she's like, and the little girl that was helping her says, I couldn't help her find the toy, so I'm helping her cry. Aww. Yeah. And I was just like, that's all I can do right now. Like, I, I don't know how to help. Like, all I can do is cry with you. Well, and that actually is a, um, once again, from Rob Bell's Numa, <laughs> one called Matthew. And um, he talks about the Jewish concept of sitting Shiva. And that's the whole thing. After there's a loss, then in, in Jewish culture, you know, you just you sit Shiva. So when, you, when they cry, you cry. When they're silent, you're silent. When they mm. want to talk, you talk. When they laugh, you laugh. It's that whole thing of being there for what they need you to be there for. Oh. And that's such a cool concept. And the Bible talks a lot about that, like that yes. whole idea of like rejoicing with those that rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. Right. And so, yeah, it's funny because I, I feel like I've been on this like intellectual journey, right, where I've been learning all kinds of concepts and I've got all these great ideas that I've found that I'm like, oh, this is so helpful to humanity, but I've began to lose interest in people <laughs> ah yes which is so stupid right and so it's like god's calling me back to that so it's like now now show interest in people right and so yeah so that's the challenge right now and it's just interesting how god takes you through these different seasons right sure hey i um i, I don't know if this was on a sports podcast I'm, i want to say it was from a sports podcast um, but this guy was saying, hard work answers the question, am I good enough? Ooh. Actually, I'm pretty sure it was a sports question. Because it's like, you don't know, right? So like, if I wanted to be an athlete, it's like, am I good enough? And it's like, if I don't actually put in the practice and try out for the team, I'll never know if I was good enough, right? Right. And that's basically true about, like, whatever you do. Like, right now I'm writing a book. And oh. so, yeah, in my spare time. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so it's like, if I don't write this book, I'm never going to know if I'm good enough to write a book, right? Good point. Well, it's one of those things where you have to step out. Like, I just took over. I'm going from the um, I work in supply chain at my day job yay <laughs> and um, I'm going from the planning team to purchasing I've never done any kind of purchasing before and it's just like I'm like oh my gosh I don't know what I'm doing but as I'm getting into it I'm like oh hey this isn't too bad I am good enough to be in this position cool yay that's awesome and so but it's it's the whole it's also the working hard part because I've got to focus and I've got to you know, I can't engage in all the conversations with people as they're just standing around the cubes and whatnot I gotta put on my headphones and focus on things so I can learn, so I can be, you know, so I can do the, the work and that kind of stuff. So hmm. I think that's a really cool, um, a really cool point. Yeah. I'm like, so I'm right now, I'm contracted. So I'm working, I've wor worked for a small consulting company that does industrial hygiene work. Oh. Which is like, uh, it's health testing stuff, right? Yeah. So I do like radiation, um, biohazards like mold. Um, any kind of chemical hazard and noise, like just a bunch of stuff, right? Anything that affects human health over a long period of time. And, um, but like, because I'm, 
I'm now contracted to a major corporation. And so I'm working downtown for the first time. You don't have to dress up and stuff like that. And I've been doing that for like over a year now. And um, I've been fortunate that they don't really give me, like the employees get like a professional growth plan and all this stuff. And I haven't really been given that. Like I don't have to do that. And I mean, like if I do get hired on as an employee, I will, right? But I was like thinking, you know, if I was to do a professional goal right now, it would be to be able to draw a really good ampersand. What is that? It's like the and symbol. It'd just be handy in my oh. notes to be able to do one of those. Yeah, I actually, I'm nailing it pretty good, actually. I'm getting pretty good at it. Oh, my goodness, I don't even know how. Oh, Wait. that's weird. I'm looking at my keyboard. I've never actually looked at that. all the strokes that it would take. To actually draw it. Yeah, yeah. I love the name Ampersand, too. It's just a beautiful yes. name for a symbol. I just really geeking out about vocabulary i'll be sitting in a meeting and someone will say something and i'll be like "Ooh, that's a good word and i'm like oh i better stop <laughs> doing that too. just geek like out. octothorpe which is the name for hashtag the number sign sorry what is that octothorpe octothorpe uh, octothorpe i believe is the proper word or um, the uh the hashtag symbol or the numbers cool very cool. Yeah, it's funny. There's names for everything. Well, I know it used to be pound sign. Yes. <laughs> Few people know that. You could tell you're old if you know it's a pound sign, right? That is true. It, it's Octothorpe, O-C-T-O-T-H-O-R-P. Boom, Octothorpe. Cool. Another term for the pound sign. And now you've learned everything you can from the podcast. ADD Masterminds Vocabulistics. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Vocabulistics, that's awesome. Hey, so, yeah, I stole that from, what's that show? No, 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 don't credit it. We, if you oh, don't yeah, do I'm it, not crediting anything. I made that up. No. I'm <laughs> 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 just lying. Oh, my goodness, lying. Hey, Are this is actually know? awesome because I keep forgetting stuff. So when I don't have to credit it, I don't have to remember that stuff, which is awesome. Exactly. And, yeah. and they say it gets worse as you get older. So I'm like... Oh. I'm hoping that like when I'm 50, people just won't expect me to remember anything, and that'd be awesome. I think that's pretty valid thing you say. I don't know. Don't worry <laughs> about that. Hey, so you ever had a near-death experience? Uh, not that. When I was a, a little babby, then I had some, but not since I've, I've been older. I've had some times where it's been like, oh my gosh. I could have died, but I didn't realize it during the moment. Yeah. Like I was in camping trip uh-huh. uh, with Boy Scouts and I'm just, I, I was really upset because like it was raining really hard. And then there was this loud like train that was like going by me. Huh. And I was like, what is this? Why are people? And then I thought, then it, then it turned from a train into, and there was a railroad track that got too far away. I was like, that's really loud. Then it sounded like jet engines. And I was like, why are the, why are there planes flying over us at like three o'clock in the morning? Turns huh. out at, tornado actually went over our campsite but then it touched down wow so that was very interesting um, but we didn't know afterwards so i didn't know to be scared or to like think about like anything like oh what happened if i die would i do this you know i didn't have a chance to think about that kind of stuff. So i was really angry at the fact that people were so inconsiderate to be flying over a campsite at like three o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah huh 
I had like a weird situation. It wasn't really a near death experience, but um, me and a buddy were sleeping in the backyard. Our wives were inside the um, house, and he and I were sleeping in separate um, sleeping bags. That's good. <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> there was no. Yeah, anyways. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so you and your buddy were sleeping yeah. in the tent? Yeah. Yep. There was, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> And uh, we hear this like crash bang, and we're like, "Oh, hmm, go back to sleep." And next thing I hear is one of our wives like calling nine one one because somebody crashed their car into the house right next what? door. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. I'm like, it's just funny because both me and my buddy were just like, "Yeah, oh, back to sleep." <laughs> Um, oh, making so much loud noise at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, someone dropped something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, for me, it's like um, I um, came down with appendicitis, and initially, I just thought it was bad gas. <laughs> so I'm like, I just gotta poop it out. My wife's like, You're not gonna poop that out. You need to go to the doctor. And I'm like. I don't know. We'll see. And I'm like laying in bed and I'm like in quite a bit of pain. And I'm like, it wasn't like a ton of pain, but it was enough that I couldn't sleep. Right. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll drive to the hospital. Right. So I'm Mm -hmm. driving to the hospital and on the way I went to stop at the gas station to like buy myself some Tums because I was still convinced (laughs) it was something I could fix. Right. Tried the Tums while I'm driving still. Anyways, so it was like a long night of them doing a whole battery of tests, including like an ultrasound. And there was something where I had to like, I think it might have been MRI or something where you have to like drink this liquid. Oh, that's so weird. It makes you feel so weird on the inside. Yeah. And I like puked it up. It was so bad. But anyways, <laughs> so going through all this and like step by step, you're just kind of like, all right, like I have no control over anything. Like I'm just trusting yeah. the medical professionals that they're going to fix this. Right. And um, right before I went under the knife, um, it actually ruptured. So basically there was poison released inside my body. Yeah. And, um, and right before I went under the knife, I could hear, where's the doctor? The doctor should be here by now. <laughs> yeah. So like right before I, yeah. But I wake up in the morning and, you know, in recovery... And it felt like, you know, when you're driving down the road and you got so close to an accident and you're like, holy crap, that could have been so bad. Yes. That's what I felt like. And I realized I just about died. But right. yet I felt this incredible peace that had I died, I would have been okay. Now, yeah. my wife was pregnant with our youngest at the time, so she would not have been okay. But... But it was just, it was really interesting because at that time I, had, I was struggling with this habitual sin and I would question my salvation, Yeah, you know, while I'm working into the like repentance and all this stuff and going back into that cycle of feeling like garbage until I haven't sinned for a certain period of time. And then, you know, like, and it's just kind of like, it's funny, you know, Catholic guilt. No, I'm not Catholic, but it's <laughs> like... It, and I, I don't know if it's a generational thing because it's just like you got to feel bad about your sin and, and know that you're going to be distant from God for a certain period of time. But it's like um, kind of getting ahead of myself on here, but that's okay. I'm going to go okay. for it right now. Uh, 
But something that was really incredible that I heard, and this just ties in, I'm just really realizing, is when Peter, when Jesus tells Peter that he's going to deny him before the rooster crows three times, right? Mm -hmm. When Jesus says that, it's almost like he says, just so you know, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, that's not going to happen. And Jesus is like, no, you're going to do it but it's okay. And it's like it's like Jesus forgave Peter before he, before he even did this. And I'm like, wow. Like this explains it. You know, like we we kind of look at it and we're like, no, I should beat myself up and it's like this condemnation does not come from God. Because he's yeah. already forgiven us. That is that whole st- whew, that whole story is is just really cool. And then, um, so I read, and I I recently got out of seminary, so I'm citing everything. I read in I think it was Francis Chan's Forgotten God. Okay. He talked about how um, we have this this thing where when we sin, we want to like to separate ourselves from God for a little bit as like yeah. a form of punishment for us, kind of like what you're talking about. Yeah. And he said, what if we like we go ahead and we just start worshiping God. Like, you know, whatever that sin is that we know that we do, whatever it is, yeah. after we do that, we say, you know what? We're going to turn this around and I'm going to start worshiping God. Yeah. And then what will happen? Like, is the devil going to tempt us in that same way if he knows that every... Now I might be getting in what Joseph said, but I don't even know. Is he going to keep tempting us to do that sin <laughs> if we're going to continue to use that to get closer to God because of it? And now granted, it's, it's kind of a flawed idea, but it's that whole thing of not penalizing ourselves with it. Mm-hmm. And then going back with what you're talking about with Peter, the story in at the end of John, which is my favorite book of the Bible, I love so much, where um, where so Peter denies him. He doesn't see Jesus again until you know alive. I mean, there was a couple times. Anyway, side note: so he sees him on the shore, and he jumps out of the boat, and he runs over to, to Jesus. And um, when everyone gets there, um, Jesus is cooking fish over the like the coals, hmm. and that term for coals is the only used one other time in scripture and it's what they were around when Jesus or when Peter denied Jesus. Wow. And so Jesus almost creates that exact same situation and then he asks Peter, hey, do you love me? I said, yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Do you love-? And he asked three times yeah. to do that. And so I know there's a whole thing with the agape, agape, do you believe, da, 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 da. But it's the whole thing again three times and we don't know what was said on that beach. But whatever was said on that beach between Jesus and Peter prior to John and the rest of the disciples getting up there did something to validate Peter so much that he then took that off and then, you know, is the great saint that we know him to be now. Yeah. Write a bunch of the Bible and stuff like that. And it's just so cool that I believe that Jesus is the type of person that he would orchestrate that entire situation just to help Peter be able to forgive himself. Yeah. And to not, like, hold that self again. And it's just... That is, oh, dude, he's so cool. He's such a cool guy. He is. I be like him, but I'm so not like him. Sad. And it's incredible to me that that's what I keep coming back to. Like, it doesn't matter what I explore. It all comes back to him. And, like, yeah. I'm, finding, I'm finding his truth in so many things right now. It's not just church. It's not just, you know, scripture reading. It's like he's evident in... 
in everything. I can watch a TV show that is like as secular as secular can be, and I can see elements of Jesus in it. And I'm like, wow, what about this? You know, and it's like, and it's just like, I guess, kind of you get dialed in in the spirit, and it's like you're you're able to extract all these things, all these lessons, and and finding these opportunities too. And it was really cool because I was actually out with. Um, a guy out in the field because I travel a lot for work like every second week I'm out in like rural Saskatchewan or Alberta and um, I was talking to a guy and he shared about his like near-death experience and I shared about mine and I said but I had this incredible peace and he says to me I never experienced that and I didn't take the moment to be like repent of your sins and be baptized (laughs) I felt like that's where I needed to leave the conversation because he clearly knew I was a Christian. Like that was already part of the, it's always part of the conversation. (laughs) Somehow it comes into the conversation and it's just like, so it's like you sow a little seed and you know that it's not your job to follow through with the whole thing. And it's crazy. Um, but I, I, it's just funny because I'm just like, I recommend near death experiences to everyone. It's very cool. Near death. Hopefully you don't die because of it. <laughs> and don't try to make yourself get near death experiences. That's the worst part. No, no, no. You gotta allow God to do it. Don't Yeah. Don't be a daredevil. Don't try right. this at home, kids. Yes. I'm gonna throw myself off the building so that, that I won't die. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I think Jesus said not to do that. The devil told him to I'm and pretty, he's like, uh yeah. no. Like, no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> Hey, I, I'm beginning. Okay, so I have a math background. I'm a math major, and oh. yeah, like four years. I got that's a bachelor's degree. Six. Not that impressive, but okay. um, yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't do useful math. Don't give me useful math. It's like all the like weird stuff. It's been you know, a long time since I've been in school too. That was like two thousand, ooh, two thousand three that I finished university. So it's a long time ago. But I, I feel like, you know, as much as it is useless math, right? It's like, it's, it's, you know, changed the way I think. And so, and one of my favorite things to do was mathematical proofs. Um, but I'm realizing that the same kind of problem-solving skills I would apply to, even just like this week I was doing logistics where I was going to go to a whole bunch of different sites, and I'm working out how long I need to be at each site and how I'm going to travel there and all this stuff. And I felt like, you know, mapping it all out and figuring out where to was almost like doing a proof. Um, a couple of weeks ago I did a song. Um, I recorded a song and I felt like that was a mathematical proof. It's like, well, this fits with this and this fits with this. And I'm, I feel like everything is a mathematical proof right now. It's kind of crazy. Could it be, that it's because there's a lot of order and the way that you've trained your mind or that your mind has been, or really that your mind was designed to begin with yeah. is to be able to see those patterns and be able to put those stuff in the place. Yeah. Or do you think... Okay. That's a thought. What was your or? Or is it just that you are creating, and not like creating like out of nothing type of thing, but you're creating that and you're inserting that mindset into your daily life. Or does it exist 
as that and you're just kind of noticing it now you know i think it's something i've been doing all along and like even you know i i went through some counseling a couple years ago and my psychologist looked at me and she's like so basically you extract information from a whole bunch of different places and you problem solve and i'm like yeah and she's like and you do that at work and i'm like yeah and she's like, and you also do that creatively. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> wow. Right? And so then she's just like, well, that's amazing, you know, and kind of said, you should be advising or whatever. She just started talking about all these, which was cool. And I was just kind of like, all right, okay, well, maybe my brain works a little different than other people's. That's what I took away from it. I didn't want to get, like, too prideful about it, right? But I re- realizing, you know, that this is something I've been doing all along and maybe being a math major is part of that, but it's like I'm I'm always looking for patterns and everything and fitting things together. Like it, it's yeah. kind of funny even, you know, when I was talking about like when I was just talking about forgiveness and all this stuff and then it dawned upon me that later on in the list I have that thing about Peter and I'm like, oh, that fits. <laughs> right? And it's just yeah. And it's like the Holy Spirit speaks in themes, right? And and you see it all the time. And it's like so many times now I go to church and I'm like, oh, yeah, this thing the pastor's preaching about, like God was telling me that a month ago, but this enhances what he was already telling me. And it's it's just crazy how these, it's almost like there's a matrix. <laughs> it's like. I guess. Yeah. When I, like, when I was teaching Sunday school, like, so we would have Sunday school right before, like, you know, big church. But like, okay, also, don't, anyway. It was so interesting how oftentimes, like, I would not talk to the pastor at all. I wouldn't have any idea what was going on with the pastor. Yeah. I would teach my lesson on, like, based off of, like, a TV show that I had seen or something, you know, that yeah. just gave me random inspiration for it. Yeah. And it turns out that the pastor was going over the exact same thing from a different angle that I had gone through. And I'm like, wow, my students just got, like, everything. It was so cool the way that it worked in that case. Oh my god! In those cases, because it just it would happen, and we went through like a three-week period where just like one week after that, it was boom, 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 and like it was all yeah. doing it, and then it kind of went off a little bit, but it would always still there'd be some way we could tie it together. So it was really cool. Oh man, watch for that. Everybody who's listening to this podcast, like, know that the Holy Spirit's going to do that. Yeah, get dialed in and see this. I mean, this is proof of God, and. It, and it's like, it doesn't matter what kind of crazy people you listen to, <laughs> you know, like the Rob Bells, the, you know, like there's all those people you listen to and you can pick out what truth there is in what they're saying. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just interesting to me to hear people of different beliefs talk and I can still be anchored in the truth of God because it's like, man, I've, I've taste it oh my gosh that's totally a rob bell thing once you've <laughs> tasted you cannot untaste right yeah. mm-hmm. and um man i was uh i was listening to jonathan martin's podcast there's another super lefty oh we don't get political do we um but um he was he was saying if there's room at the table when you talk about the old lord's supper if there's room at the table for peter and judas Like, how could there not be room at the table for anyone else, right? Like, how could there be somebody that's like, no, 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 that person can't partake, right? I was like, whoa, I never thought of that. It's like he had had the the first Lord's Supper, and he had Judas and Peter there. 
And yet we're like, well, those people should not participate. And it's like, but, and his whole sermon was talking about unworthy manner was like, there were these people who were eating it for their own benefit and that they weren't serving the poorer people. There was no food left for them. Right. And it's like, it was really interesting. And it was funny because we listened to that podcast, I think like Thursday and then Sunday, our pastor said essentially the same thing and i'm like huh maybe it's a sign maybe but i i do remember a lot of that like well get your heart right then you can participate in communion and it's like can you ever participate in communion well i think part of it though there is that warning from paul where he says you know hey if you do this and your heart isn't right at least your intentions or whatever the case is um then you you um, treat condemnation upon yourself. Well, and I think it's like, I want more of Jesus. I mean, it needs to be your posture, right? Right. And it's like, above all else, I want more of Jesus, and that's why I'm participating in this. And if your motive is any different, then yeah, I get you. Yeah, I think that's where, then people, they almost want to protect the other people so much so that they say, no, you can't even have any of it. Yeah. There's like a lot of churches where like, no, we're not going to allow anyone any, I don't know what your stance on the gifts, but we're not going to allow any, any <laughs> use of the gifts, period, because we don't want to take a chance that someone's going to abuse it. And so in doing that, yes, you're protecting it from being abused, but you're also, if, if God were, did want to move or whatever the case is, you, you're, you're not allowing that to happen. Yeah. So I think well, there's, a, there's something within Christendom that wants to protect the people, but also sacrifice and same thing we're talking about listening to different sources and everything it's like no we're only going to listen to approved christian sources here he's saying 20 percent of the time well no you can't listen to that because 80 percent will be bad well maybe let the holy spirit sift through for the anyway yeah i i totally agree yes and i i get like and my church is charismatic and so we're big on that stuff um, and I've seen charismatic churches that have taken it too far, right? Absolutely. And I mean, like, yeah. you've got, like, ooh, the prophet's going to come, and he's going to tell me what to do with my life. And it's like, yeah. all right, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks through, like, other people, too. It doesn't just have to be that right. one person. Um, and just exalting the gifts above all else. And I mean, like, I probably have done this a hundred times on the podcast, but I, I love Tony Campolo's illustration of these people who are in a church having this phenomenal worship service and there's a guy outside that just got shot in the chest and is bleeding out and says can somebody help me and the people are like um yeah we'll help you in a minute we're just having a really good moment with God right now wow and I think that's when we take the charismatic gifts too far and I mean, one of them, one of my favorite things, I, I really like Andy Stanley or not Andy Stanley. Sorry. Wrong guy. Charles Stanley. Wow. <laughs> um, but Charles Stanley said something that I thought Charles was really, was my boy. what was that? Charles, Charles, Charles Stanley is my boy. Oh man. His voice is so calming. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's at first Baptist Atlanta, which is my hometown. So, oh really? So, Boom. Now you can be jealous of me. Listen. No. 
<laughs> just little, listen carefully. Um, I don't know if I said, I don't think I sounded like him, but, um, oh man, I can't do his voice. His voice is so good though. But, um, he said, if you want a gift of the spirit, you need to put yourself in a position where that gift is needed. Hmm. And so anyways, wow. Ooh. Do you, do you watch sports at all? I do. I watch um, football, American football, real football, and then <laughs> European football as well, as well as uh, I do esports and that kind of thing. Man, I don't watch either. I just like hockey or bust. Oh, I'm just, I guess Canadian. Very Canadian. But I, oh no, curling. What about curling? No, I don't watch that. What? That is the quintessential Canadian sport. Yeah, it is. I know Kevin Diener's all over that. He's like, I like curling better than hockey. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand you, man. (laughs) There's no hitting and no speed. Like I love finesse and the brutality of hockey. It's a nice mixture. But anyways, (laughs) um, it was really interesting. I was talking to a friend and somehow I think we got on the topic of sports and we've talked about it a few times on ADD masterminds where I'm like, I don't understand, like, I guess when people get so tribal that if they see someone from the other team is crying because they lost, there's this, like, joy that they have to see that person sad. And I'm like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. Like, what is wrong with you people? Like, why, you know? And um, something I thought was really interesting is talking to a friend who's a theologian he said something along the lines of like sports within sports, there's a suspension of ethics. And I was like, Mm. I've never thought of it that way, but there are things like if I was playing like poker or like poker, you have to deceive people to win really. Right. And so there's a certain element of like, I'm not doing what I would normally do. Like there's games like, I mean, even hockey, I know, like, I played hockey a bit, like, as a beginner. I never played it as a kid because my parents were like, can't afford that. But um, as an adult, I picked it up for the first time. And I remember, like, nobody's, when you play men's hockey, nobody's going to slow down for you, right? So I'm, like, skating, and this guy, like, he kind of, like, it was a non-contact league, but somehow he, like, tripped me or whatever. And I got up, and I was so mad, and I'm not a violent person, but I wanted to punch that dude. <laughs> And it was just interesting to me, like how it's like, it's a different world. Like, it's like you're living out a different fantasy playing this sport. And it's a suspension of ethics. Like you're playing by different rules. Like I consider myself a very compassionate person, uh-huh. but down here in the South, there's college football and there's a team called the Alabama or team from the University of Alabama. Yeah. Their fans are so arrogant. <laughs> like, super arrogant and like whenever Alab- and they don't lose a lot because they have a powder puff schedule but that's a side note yeah. but everyone's like oh they're the best when they lose I just get such joy out of seeing all the Alabama people cry yeah. and be upset everyone's like yes now finally you know what it's like to suffer so I I've never thought of it as suspension of ethics but I told her that yes that that makes sense. Well, you know what's interesting to me too is like, and I've I've seen kind of that adversive side of it. And like for me, I grew up in British Columbia, um, and Vancouver. I, I decided because I live in BC, I've got to be a Canucks fan. 
And so 1994, they went to the finals, and that solidified it. They lost in the finals, but I just, that's my team. I fell in love with this team. I can never leave them, ever. Now I live in Airdrie, which is right next to Calgary, and there's the Calgary Flames. Ah, yes. I have family that are like, you know, 2004 bandwagon um, fans. Their team went to the finals and lost, and they're like, we should have won, which I'm like, you're a Cinderella team. Cinderella never wins. Take it from me. I learned that in 1994, right? It just, NHL, it's never happened that I know of where a Cinderella team has won, right? So ever since then, they're like, oh, we're going to win the cup this year. And I'm like, no, you're not. Shut up. And I just like get more and more angry because they're like got this kind of arrogance that they're like, oh, our team's gonna be good. It's like, no, you're not. You're not gonna be good. And I hope you're never good. You know. But <laughs> and so yeah, it is in me, right? But what I thought was really interesting is I heard a guy talking about like the Olympics, and they're like, mm-hmm. the Olympics is a great event where we unite. And I was like thinking, yeah, but but teams hate each other. But this is what <laughs> the guy said that I thought was really interesting. When you have two opposing teams, um, they are playing against each other, but they've agreed to certain terms. And so there are rules that they abide by. They're going to listen to the ref. The ref is going to make the call about what is good and what is bad. And, you know, like they've agreed that, you know, when the puck's in the net, that's a goal. <laughs> You know, yeah. and I was like, man, I never thought about the unity in sports and just the fact that all these teams, you know, and if we go to football, which I don't fully understand, it's like you guys have multiple points for different things. So I'm like, OK, I'm lost now. Like hockey, it's like puck and net done. Right. Yeah. But it's like, oh, it's field goal. Three points. I don't know. I think something like that. That's you're right. Good job. Well, good guess. I've been to like two football games ever. Um, but it, that is more than me. But I thought that was really interesting um, that although it looks like disunity, there is a unity to it. Not 100% sure what to do with that idea, but I think it's really deep and I'll have to think about it. Yeah, so we'll ponder it. And, uh, well, although I think the, the Olympics are a little different because it seems that people, even though it's like quote unquote higher stakes, People aren't as like there's there tends to be better sportsmanship during the Olympic. Oh, at least for sure. a lot of the sports that I've seen, and it's oh, whereas you don't have for your people, country. Yeah. So there's and so like, just there's because there's a basic honor in that. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. You won't because, see a hockey brawl <laughs> in the Olympic yeah. hockey. Yeah. Yeah. There's a or certain maybe, decorum. Right. And you don't see a nasty rivalry either, right? Like. I yeah, think there true. was back in like the 80s with the US and the USSR. Yeah. Even then, I don't think there's really that much of a. Well, of course, and the, well, there was in, in uh, soccer with um, Argentina and Germany because they, you know, but I think part of that just goes with the fact of how passionate South American like soccer players and soccer teams and stuff like that are. So that may be. So I, I don't know, like, I, I, like that thought I think is kind of interesting because I think it's like we have adversity, mm-hmm. but if we're able to agree to certain rules of discourse, we can actually have healthy competition. And so yeah. maybe that's what we need to do in the uh, arena of ideas. And so, oh. 
<laughs> yeah, this is just I dawned was upon me. About that. So like, wow, we need to have. I was thinking. I was thinking about that as you were saying it. Yeah. I was like, we need to have like, because that's one of the things that I strive for. So I'll post political stuff um, on my personal account and also on yeah. the Theosaurus Rex one. And I try to be really nice to people and like, hey, let's talk about this. And like, yeah. and people are like, oh no, you're an idiot. I was like, oh, I was like, why are you attacking me? I was really nice to you. Why can't yeah. we just be like? Why can't we agree that we're not going to attack each other personally? And so, like on my personal Facebook, where I get into a lot of stuff, and you've been a part of it, and all this kind of stuff, yeah. I I just have the hammer down. We're not going to insult people, and if you do, I'm going to delete your comment. Yeah, exactly. Because we can engage, in, and I'm going to hold people to that higher standard. Yeah. But I think there's just, I think a lot of it because everything's become so personal. It's no longer, oh, you disagree with this, and oh, well, okay. Of socialism, capitalism, whatever. Now it's like, ah, if you don't believe in this, you are evil. And yeah. we put that kind of personal aspect into it, and that you can't do it. Like, what are you going to do if someone's evil because they don't believe the same as you? How do you? You can't. Like, you're not going to rationally. You're not going to reason with that person. Well, yeah. just, you know. Well, so. and what's interesting to me is like I'm able to, I'm able to see both sides. And it's just mm-hmm. so interesting to me because I will hear from one side about like how these guys, they always, always this, this, this. And I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> and yeah. then the other side is like, they always this, this, this. And I'm like, that's not true either. And it, you know what's funny is like I, I heard a pastor preach a message about like um, Adam and Eve and how like the serpent says to Eve, it's like, is it true that God had said not to eat of the fruit? And Eve is like, he said, don't even touch it. You know what? Eve was exaggerating to show how ridiculous the rule was. And it's like, from the beginning of time, we've been doing that garbage. So, anyways, interesting. Hey, I I heard an... Sorry? No, no, I was just... I was... I'm an external processor, so I was complete uh, cancel. <laughs> my uh, smart device went off. Uh, I make I'm an external processor, so a lot of times I'll complete my thought aloud. So. Yeah, I, I'm realizing that's a lot of what I do too. And yeah. like I, I have a friend that I think is like super smart that I talk to sometimes, and he he said to me, he's like, "Do you need to like?" do you need to talk aloud? Like, do you need to think aloud to work ideas out? And I'm like realizing, I think that's what podcasting is for me. Is <laughs> a I, lot of that, I, right? Well, that's like one of the reasons I created Theosaurus Rex is because I, I want to get some of these ideas out and like talk about things, but I was yeah. losing friends because of it. And I'm like, uh-oh, I need somewhere to channel some of these thoughts and beliefs yeah. and whatnot so I can explore them and come up with some, you know, Oh and my gosh! Here yeah. are pros and cons of things. Man, but I don't want to lose any more of my friends. This is like on the podcast. I said um, I don't think everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everywhere I've mentioned that, people have lost their freaking minds. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, okay. How about this? This is what I've decided is a much better way to present it. Okay. I don't think I'm knowledgeable to have an opinion about some topics. I don't know how I I think that's a safer way to approach it rather than me putting that on you and say you shouldn't have an opinion about some things because because then it's like well who decides and all stuff you know what I've decided that I (laughs) should not have opinions on some things 
And I'm cool with just being like, I don't know about that. Right. Anyways. Hey, I um, I heard a pastor talking and I, this message and this just like blew my mind. So he said that like in, I think, 1200 AD. Yeah, AD, that's after Christ. I think it was like about 1200 AD. Um, we had a financial revolution. You're probably more of a historian than I am. But it's like, basically, this was when banks were established. And so instead of our value just being in land, there was ways to save up your money. Mm-hmm. Right? And yep. he said, so that caused a little bit of a disconnect between us and I guess we didn't have like a physical, as much of a physical representation of monetary value. So that's a bit of a, like there's a little bit of a disconnect. And he said, then the Industrial Revolution happened, which was, what, 1700s? Something like that. Uh, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, so let's just say that. We'll say that. When the Industrial Revolution happened, now... No, I think it was 1800s. 1800s, more so? Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. I like it to be accurate if I can. Um yeah, you know, it's like fact check this later. Um, but when that happened, we got a, another disconnect because we weren't necessarily working with our hands anymore and we had machines that would do the work that a human would. And then you fast forward many, many years later, um, and I don't really know when this would have specifically started, maybe the 60s, where the information revolution began. And the information resolution, revolution meant that well, it probably goes back more than the 60s, but it meant that instead of us getting wisdom from our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, we're now transferring information from strangers to us. And so another further disconnect. So now we're living in a society where we're f- more disconnected than we've ever been. And so it's like what we can do as Christians is start bringing that connection back. That's why people are so starved for community. Yeah. And it was just incredible because I was just like, I didn't realize you could break it down into three revolutions. I would say, I might almost want to add a fourth one with the, uh, the, the advent of the internet and handheld devices and stuff like that where we can... Uh, there was a commercial. I doubt y'all had it in in Canada land, yeah. but where it was like people were talking and they're sitting there on a date and they both had their phones and it says and they're like it says that you like this and the guy's like oh yeah I do it says that you like this and there's talk it being the you know the phone was saying they were reading stuff on the app and whatnot right. and now that's creating not only separation but also we're getting so much information and all that information like. With the, I know I'm not being political, but like with the news cycles going 24 hours a day, they have to kind of like almost make up stuff, and they have <laughs> yeah. to like keep the, the fires going of like oh, and then the person said this oh, super terrible, and so it's and because of that, it's it's almost compounding the problems of the information revolution because now we go online and we already have our minds made up about things. Oh my gosh, yes, been fed to us all this time, and it's like well, I already know all these things, so I'm going to get in there and go and like argue with someone or you see someone post it it's like oh ha ha so yeah yeah, i think it's um it kind of hits both of them and i a lot of times like i just think it's nice to be able to come in and say but what about this 
I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter where someone's coming from, right? Like, I, I love the idea that I can sit down with an atheist and be able to say, but what about this? And I can yeah. sit down with a Christian and be like, yeah, but what about this? And I feel like more than anything, that's my calling. Is I just like, I just, little tweak, right? And it's not that I have yeah. everything figured out. I just know that I, I have a bit of a handle on perspective. And I right. can look at people and say, there's, that's not, no, you're not quite seeing those people the right way. I've listened to them and I know that what you're saying is not true. <laughs> yeah. So I had a, a friend in college who is, so I'm, I'm of course more, I'm more right leaning, I'm not getting into politics. I apologize. Just, <laughs> uh, but then he's more left leaning yeah. and we would, we would talk about things. We were really good friends. It turns out whenever we talk about politics, things would go bad because he believes, Oh, we're, we go this way to get to this end goal. And I said, no, we go this other way. The exact opposite ways. We had the same end goal. And That's he, it. especially in my like college years, which is when we met, so like prior to you know my graduating and stuff like that, we would talk about this. And him being, well, what about this? And then me being able to see, like, okay, this yeah. person believes in this totally opposite way, but I know their heart and I know where they do it. It just totally changed my perspective on on politics. And then he used to be an atheist, and yeah. we would talk about that. And had him doing that, what about stuff was so helpful to my growing up and and becoming yeah. the person going from a a Bible thumping, um, you know, know it all because I, I know a lot. <laughs> like that, that's the type of thing too. Hey, hold on a second. Let's listen and let's talk about this and let's find out where it is and let's find that commonality and then go from there and let's explore this, these truths and stuff like that together. And so that type of what you, you know, what you say your calling is, is something that I think is really needed. And one of the reasons why we have such a terrible atmosphere, whether it be in Christianity between the Calvinists and the the non-Calvinists or um, the, uh, liberals and Democrats or however, liberals and Republicans or whatever, because we don't have people like that. You and know, so like my friend, he just yeah. has like this, this aura, like if you go into a gaming thing, he has like an area of effect. When he walks into a place, it's like everyone kind of chills a little bit. That's and we're awesome. like, hey, let's talk about stuff. So if Great. you can be that to people or you know, to strangers or people that you don't know, that's that's something that's so needed, and you have oh, to have a special gosh. gifting for, in my opinion, because yeah, you do. I try to do that, but apparently I can't. I'm not really <laughs> good at it because I just make people frustrated. I'm like, no, no, no I want to try to bring people together, yeah, and it doesn't always tough. work that way. Yeah, and I, you know, it's funny. Something dawned upon me when I saw like some like very like you know, conservative, conservative Christians and some liberal, liberal Christians come to a head. And I realized that the conservative Christians were using Jesus with a whip as justification for what they were saying and the way they were saying it. And the liberal Christians were using Jesus with a whip as justification. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, like that's it right there. Everybody thinks they're Jesus with a whip. Yeah. And that's like one instance in the Bible. <laughs> right. And people the, love to use that as a justification for being a jerk. Yeah, I'm trying not to swear. <laughs> I'm going to be a jerk. I hope you Yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Hey, um, you had a word from our sponsor. 
Yes. You had a new product you were trying out. Well, I was going to try it out. Thankfully, I didn't have to use it this go around. It's the Acme Hooper Shooter. So from what the guy <laughs> told me at the store, he said that you take it and let's say your dog, like I have a little pup. Thankfully, she's been quiet. Uh-oh, I've left her out too long and now she's pooped on the ground. What do I do? I can get the Acme Pooper Shooter and just kind of shoot the poop and it dissolves. Wow, and it's great. And cool. it doesn't even like... Um, it, it, it does, ooh, kill the bug. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it doesn't even leave a smell, which is the best part because you can use it for cats and whatnot. And so I think I didn't have to use it while we were talking, but it, um, it is pretty cool. Now, one thing I can't say, and I don't know if this is good or bad, I can't say whether or not it burns the carpet or burns the, um, the hardwood floors. Oh. I'm gonna hope it doesn't, though. I mean, though, like, what's your choice? Having a little, like, if there is a burn mark, okay, let's just say worst case scenario, okay. there's a burn mark. Your choice is poop or a little black yeah. mark. Exactly. Now, okay, what if the black mark is in the shape of the poop? Because maybe it fell over, and now you have, like, a giant poop emoji that has been branded into your carpet. <laughs> See, that's, that's where I'm like, oh, I really want to do it. So I guess... I guess what I have to do is test it next time she makes the long poop. <laughs> and you can test it too. Go to your local Acme store to buy. Yes. What is it called again? It's the Acme Pooper Shooter. <laughs> I keep did, did I mention it does work with cats? Nice. Like in, the, in the litter box. You just shoot the litter box thing and boom, you're done. Oh, you man, to... that's so much better than scooping. I hate oh, scooping. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, I think we're just about out of time. Oh, that's very sad. Thanks for coming on, Theosaurus Rex. No problem. Thank you for having me. Um, and your I'm Twitter me, handle again? Is at St. Theosaurus Rex, S-T Theosaurus Rex. And um, I have a YouTube page where I put up like, podcasts and whatnot. I've gotten kind of bad about it recently. It's very sad. <laughs> I cry. <laughs> but thank you for having me on there. It was a pleasant discussion. And I will say, I am sad we didn't get to the Alan Turing machine. <laughs> we'll have so, to we'll have to get to that later there you go i dig it now i will say if you get a chance you should totally listen to the imitation game soundtrack it is so much fun to listen to you while you're just like thinking about stuff it makes you feel smart and like you're you're alcohol totally doing everything awesome oh i need that yes it's all right cool catch y'all on the flippity floppy lol one two
All right. Just a test. What? Test, test. Talk microphone. to me, Theosaurus. Wah, wah. <laughs> All right. <laughs>